The calm before the storm. This is the calm. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Great. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM on the Central Coast, 106.7 in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. Buckle up again, New Orleans. In Washington, D.C. on 105.5. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us once again for your home radio and podcast companion (laughs) that we call the Bradcast. That uh, delightful chuckle you just heard is our (laughs) producer, Desi Doyen. Hello, Desiree. Hello, I am here. I'm glad you are, uh, because given what Donald Trump said uh, last night... Boy, uh, this is while taking a photo. We got a lot to cover today, and this is really the last thing we we need right now. (laughs) But we're going to cover it anyway right here at the top. Uh, While taking a uh, a photo with military leaders and their spouses before dinner at the White House on Thursday evening, Donald Trump made this bizarre, uh, cryptic comment to reporters asking if they knew indicating the uh, the military leaders in the room, indicating if they knew what this this represents, representing uh, the, the pointing to referring to the folks that were lined up for this photo. He said, maybe it's the calm before the storm. He then said, answering his own question. OK, the calm before what storm? That cryptic uh, comment then led to questions from the media and, frankly, a disturbing uh, comment or two from the president uh, himself. President Chaos, I guess we should describe him. The audio is a bit difficult to make out here at times, uh, the press questions in particular. But here's the full exchange, and I'll I'll read the pool report transcript of this for you afterwards. You guys know what this represents? Well, I don't remember. What's the storm? Could be the calm before the storm. What storm is We have the world's great military people in this room. I will tell you that. And uh, we're going to have a great evening. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. What storm, Mr. President? You'll find out. <laughs> Give us a hint on your answer. 
Thank you, everybody. Okay, so uh, that was, if you couldn't hear it, Trump has got the military leaders around him and their wives, uh, including uh, Melania, the first lady, uh, for this photo op. Trump says, you guys know what this represents? Maybe it's the calm before the storm. Question from the press. What's the storm, Trump? It could be the calm, the calm before the storm. Question from the press. Iran? ISIS? What storm, Mr. President? Trump says, we have the world's greatest military people in this room. I will tell you that. And uh, we're going to have a great evening. Thank you all for coming. Uh, the press again asks, what storm, Mr. President? Trump, you'll find out. Uh, the press uh, then says, give us a hint on ISIS. Trump says, thank you, ev- everybody. And then uh, Trump leaves the room. Uh, any idea what to make of that? Desiree? No, uh, no, I don't have any. The, no, uh, the, nobody does. The you'll find out, I think, is rather chilling. Um, some folks have suggested, oh, he, you know, he's spent his life for most of his career, at least, uh, acting like a reality TV star, producing a reality TV show, being the star of that show, yeah. that this possibly just could be his flair for the dramatic. Uh, yeah, well, his the, the comment, of course, comes uh, before he's going to announce next week his intent uh, to decertify the Iran deal, reportedly. Uh, it's also just days after undermining his own Secretary of State, who uh, Rex Tillerson, who was in Asia trying to work out the uh, North Korea situation, which Trump exacerbated by threatening to totally destroy uh, the nation of 25 million people at the U.N. a week or so ago. North Korea says they took that as a declaration of war. Uh, over the the past weekend, Secretary of State Tillerson had said that the U.S. was in direct contact with North Korea officials. Trump tweeted, don't waste your time on little rocket man, uh, Rex. Uh, in basically, in, un, in an unheard of undercutting of diplomacy by a U.S. president uh, to his own Secretary of State. Nobody knows if any of this has anything to do with any of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, frankly, with uh, with the military leaders around saying that uh, this is the calm before the storm, you'll find out, you know, this guy, he can't keep a secret, A. Um, B, I think he, he wants to let everyone know that he has some secret and that it has to do with the military. And that is, uh, frankly, quite chilling. Uh, can someone 25th Amendment this guy already? I know. Jesus um, Christ. In this specific instance, the press had already been told the night was over and they were brought back in yeah. because clearly he wanted to say something. Um, and as you've said, he seems to not be able to keep a secret and he loves to have a little cliffhanger. Problem is, this is reality. This is not a TV show. He, and he wants worlds to let, turn on these comments. You know, it, I, and I think it's related to why he... Uh, I. I, I'm concerned that it has something to do with North Korea and invasion, an attack. Uh, of course, I don't know. I have no information. Just reading these tea leaves and, and the comment uh, to Rex Tillerson over the weekend. Don't worry about it, Rex, or whatever it was he said. Uh, don't waste your time. <clears throat> uh, so I don't know what storm he was uh, talking about. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, as he said. Maybe it'll be nothing. Maybe that's just kind of what he does. Uh, I know the storm that he probably wasn't talking about, however, is the actual storm. Yes, another actual hurricane 
now likely to slam into the U.S. over the weekend. So you thought we were done with uh, hurricane season? Oh, ha, ha, ha. Think again. <laughs> Tropical Storm Nate uh, has killed 22 people so far in Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Honduras. On uh, Thursday, according to officials, seven are still missing in, uh, in Nicaragua. Uh, Costa Rica says at least 15 people are missing. Tropical Storm Nate uh, will make landfall in Mexico on the Yucatan Peninsula today with up to eight inches of rain as the storm barrels northward into the Gulf of Mexico and towards the U.S. Gulf Coast. An advisory from the U.S. National Hurricane Center said warnings have been issued for portions of Louisiana, Mississippi, um, and uh, Alabama coastlines with the storm expected to hit the region by Sunday morning as another hurricane. Right now, Nate's forecast track shifted a little bit, putting it uh, on target for New Orleans as we go to air. Uh, New Orleans and its compromised drainage system, which is uh, now directly in the the site of this storm. The the, uh, officials and governors of both uh, Florida and Mississippi have declared state and Alabama as well, I think, have declared states of emergency in advance of this storm, as has New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu. Offshore oil and gas operators have evacuated personnel from a number of the 737 manned oil and natural gas production platforms that we have in the Gulf of Mexico. We will see how much the uh, storm is able to strengthen as it hits the warm waters of the Gulf. That's the concern, I, I, I think, for the most part. Right now, it's predicted to be a, uh, a Category 1 hurricane uh, with winds of about 80 miles per hour, but... Uh, as we have seen this year, these storms uh, are, are rapidly intensifying um, the, the, over those warm Gulf waters. And so things could change very quickly, as we have seen really in all of the recent storms over this past month. Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, Jose and Maria all went uh, underwent rapid intensification underwent that rapid intensification phenomenon on their way to becoming major hurricanes earlier this season. We will see what happens here. Uh, New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landro says that officials are working around the clock to repair all power and pump f- pumps for the city's drainage system. As of Thursday, just 108 of the city's 120 pumps are working. A dozen, including three major pumps, were out of service on Thursday morning. Uh, this is uh, very concerning, very troubling. New Orleans is at or below sea level. It's actually below sea below. level, right? It's, it's a bathtub that's below sea level. The level, the levees keep the ocean water from coming and in, but the know. levees and these pumps, which yes. have been, uh, it's an old system for like a hundred years. These uh, system of old pumps. Uh, have been there uh, trying to keep the city essentially afloat, but now uh, a number of them are down uh, for maintenance with problems. Governor John Bell Edwards said he will position National Guard troops in New Orleans to help the city to monitor those pumps. He said that he's been in regular contact with the uh, with the mayor to make sure the state is supporting the city. Edwards has authorized some 1,300 National Guards to mobilize ahead of this storm and said he will ask Donald Trump to declare a pre-landfall state of emergency for the 
for the entire state. And just keep in mind that FEMA is already <clears throat> grappling right now with three record hurricanes right in, in these states yep. that we've already had. That's right. So FEMA is running out of money, and hopefully Congress will get a move on and appropriate some more funding so that FEMA can match the coming disasters and the coming extreme weather events that we still have for the rest of this year. This is getting just uh, worse and worse, as you uh, as you noted in in our uh, most recent Green News report. Yes. And when when is hurricane season over? November. That's when it used to be. Beginning or end of November? Um, it's well, the beginning of November, okay. but, you know, with these extra hot oceans that we have right now, it really depends on when the oceans start cooling off and not offering quite so much fuel for these hurricanes. In not unrelated at all news, President Trump Thursday nominated Andrew Wheeler, a coal lobbyist with links to uh, deniers of established science on climate change, to help lead the Environmental Protection Agency, he would be the number two uh, man at the uh, at the EPA. Wheeler is a former aide to Senator James Inhofe, the U.S. Senate's top climate change denying loon, frankly, who has said many times over the years. The notion that man-made gases cause global warming is probably the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on the American people. Yes, uh, Andrew Wheeler used to work for him. In nominating Wheeler to be deputy administrator of the agency, the White House tapped a man reviled by environmentalist uh, environmental activists, ha but hailed by the industry, the fossil fuel industry, as having the know-how to dismantle Obama-era fossil fuel regulations, according to the New York Times. Uh, begging the question of what part of Environmental Protection Agency are these guys unclear about? All of it. That would be my answer. All of it. The nomination comes at a critical moment for the EPA as the uh, as the agency prepares to repeal the sweeping climate change regulation known as the Clean Power Plan. What does that do, Desi Doyen, very um, quickly? The Clean Power Plan was the Obama administration's landmark first-ever emissions regulations for power plants. That was going to be our offering that induced the rest of the world to sign on to the Paris Agreement because we were going to cut our emissions first from our power plants. So they're uh, getting ready to repeal that. They're hiring a coal lobbyist uh, to be the number two in charge of the agency. And Thomas J. Pyle, president, uh, Pyle is a good word here, president of the Institute for Energy Research, a group that promotes fossil fuels and opposes most climate change policy, says it's a solid choice. Andrew is highly qualified, can work with Congress and understands what needs to be done to articulate President Trump and Administrator Pruitt's vision of resetting our energy and environmental policies. Since 2009, Wheeler has been a leader in the energy practice of the law firm Fager Baker Daniels. Uh, his clients at the firm have included Murray Energy, the, one of the largest coal companies, coal mining companies in the world, run by another climate change denying loon, uh, uh, Robert Murray. Robert, is it? Robert it's, Murray. Murray. Yeah, Murray. he's the one whose Utah coal mine collapsed and killed oh, I forget, 12 miners, and he blamed uh, earthquakes. In a statement, uh, EPA Chief Pruitt, uh, who himself served as a tool of those very same lobbyists while he was Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma's attorney general, literally copying and pasting letters uh, that were sent to him by the industry 
and pasting them into letters as if they were his own, literally uh, sent to the Obama administration, EPA, which he which Pruitt has sued uh, some 14 times to stop their protection of the environment. Pruitt said in a statement that Wheeler has spent his entire career working to improve environmental outcomes. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that because it's actually very sad. uh, For Americans across the country and understands the importance of providing regulatory certainty for our country. So uh, this Senator uh, Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat from Rhode Island who has made uh, climate change uh, a signature issue uh, himself, said in a statement that Wheeler's work for Murray Energy alone should disqualify him from the position. He said, in Andrew Wheeler, the president has tapped yet another fossil fuel industry lobbyist to help in the capture of the Environmental Protection Agency for big polluters. He said he shouldn't be allowed anywhere near the office to which he's been nominated. But here we are. Here we are indeed. And now uh, there is no more filibuster filibuster for uh, appointees like this. So uh, unless something happens, the Republicans will likely wave this guy right through. Right. To become because, the second in charge. Because remember, folks, elections have consequences. The Senate, Democrats are no longer in the majority. They they can't stop this. Donald Trump's nominee to oversee chemical safety at the EPA has for years accepted payments for criticizing studies that raise concerns about the safety of his clients' products, according to a review of financial records and his published work. Uh, This uh, review was carried out by the AP a week or so ago. I've been trying to get this. So this is a separate nominee. This is not Wheeler to head up the uh, the, to be the second charge at the EPA. This is a guy by the name of Michael Dorson. His nomination is to head the EPA's Office of Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention. And uh, he was recently considered during a, a Senate a committee hearing last week, I believe it was. No, it was this week. It, oh, it was this week. Yeah, it was Wednesday. Oh, these are all the weeks are rolling together now. Yep. Uh, if confirmed, uh, ethics e- experts say Dorson's past writings and the money paid to him uh, and a nonprofit that he founded could represent potential conflicts of interest. Potential, you think? Past corporate clients of Dorson and of his research group that he ran uh, include Dow Chemical, uh, Coke Industries, Inc., and Chevron Corporation. His research has been underwritten by industry trade and lobbying groups representing the makers of plastics, pesticides, processed foods, and, yes, cigarettes. In other words, he has worked for those groups in his uh, so-called scientific work. Dorson founded a private toxicity evaluation nonprofit organization that tests chemicals and produces reports on which ones are hazardous and in what quantities. Dorson and his organization previously worked under contract for Dow, the Dow AgroSciences, the subsidiary that makes chlorpyrifos in three papers. Dorson and his colleagues pointed to what they said were flaws in peer-reviewed studies that linked delays in fetal development with even with even low level uh, of exposure to the uh, to the pesticide chlorpyrifos, which is commonly sprayed on citrus fruits and apples. In a 2005 paper on the topic, Dorson and his co-authors passed along thanks to Dow for its support over a number of years to study chlorpyrifos toxicology and to assess its risk, and said that the money in no way influenced their findings 
that favored the company's position. Uh, this and it go and it wasn't just Dow. Uh, this on and on. Sheldon Krimsky uh, from Tufts University, who studies ethics and science and medicine, reviewed Darson's papers uh, for the AP and said it isn't even subtle. He has chosen to be the voice of the chemical industry. His role as a scientist is simply the role of an industry hired lawyer only to give the best case for the clients. Uh, he, uh, he set up a, a, a now defunct website called Kids Plus Chemical Safety, Oy. Uh, which uh, described itself as a source of information about the safe use of chemicals around children. And it, of course, mirrored talking points that were put out by chemical uh, companies and trade groups that financed his work. He defended glycophos- how do you, glycophosate. If I, I'm not even close to that. Uh, that's the active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup weed killer. He assured parents that exposure to fire retardant chemicals in children's pajamas was too low to be a health risk. Uh, he was, of course, paid $10,000 by the North American Flame Retardant Alliance just by a total coincidence. Dowerson's uh, willingness to align his scientific opinions with those of his corporate patrons has earned him support. From all of these groups, the American Chemistry Council said he would make an excellent addition at the EPA. I'll bet they did. Uh, uh, DuPont is another one. Uh, he, uh, they were accused of polluting a West Virginia town with uh, perfluorooctan. P-F-O-A. Uh, Thank it's you too very hard much. To say. P-F-O-A. P-F-O-A. This is a chemical that the uh, company's internal tests had long ago concluded were toxic. So DuPont's own scientists found that PFOA was toxic. One DuPont executive praised uh, Dowerson's ability to assemble a package and then sell this to the EPA or whomever we desired, unquote. That's a quote from an email uh, that was cited in a 2013 legal claim uh, that they were talking when they were talking about hiring this guy, that uh, he could he could sell whatever we wanted Whatever we desired to the EPA, the team, uh, his team led a team that found in 2002 PFOA levels up to 150 parts per billion were safe. A level higher than was found in uh, testing of uh, about 180 private wells and springs. Also, that 150 parts per billion was well above the one point, uh, one part per billion that DuPont's own scientists had concluded could be considered safe. Just one part. But no, this guy said, oh, we can go up to 150 parts. The AP, EPA now says that only 70 parts per trillion, uh, per, per trillion. trillion. Oh, per trillion. No, per trillion. That 70 parts at- per trillion are acceptable. So uh, this is just 0.05% of what Dowerson's team said was safe. DuPont and a former uh, subsidiary uh, later paid $761 million to settle some 3,500 lawsuits stemming from its use of this chemical that this guy went out and, and said was safe. And let's be clear that what these lawsuits are about are people whose children got cancers and died. Yep. People whose fathers, brothers, sisters, mothers, 
died from cancer and had cancer clusters, things that they should not be getting at the ages that they were getting them. These that, are people who died from That this. point was raised in an emotional clip during uh, uh, his confirmation hearing uh, with uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Democratic senator of New York, uh, during the, those confirmation hearings in the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. These families are so frightened. I live so close to where they live. I can't imagine what it would be like to live and not know if the water that your children are being bathed in is safe, if they're going to get cancer when they're 25, if they're ever going to be able to have kids. Their lives are so affected by the decisions that you have made. And I don't think you recognize when you're hired by a company when you're hired by the DuPonts of the world, when you're hired by the Monsantos of the world, you're being asked to change how governments, how leaders look at these risks and whether they say it's safe or not. That was uh, just part of the, uh, well, powerful uh, question. The families of these uh, kids who uh, developed cancer from... Uh, these, uh, were, these are families uh, that were sitting behind him in yeah. this hearing. There are families in New York State near where Gillibrand herself lives. They have just found out that their drinking water has been contaminated with PFOA. So, yeah, there's that. So those are the two... Uh, those are just, just two of the guys uh, recently nominated by Donald Trump to the environmental... Protection Agency. Also here in not at all unrelated news, uh, as reported late at the end of our previous show, the Trump administration had actually removed information from the FEMA website page on Puerto Rico regarding statistics on power and water outages uh, more than two weeks since the Category 4 Hurricane Maria uh, storm swept over and devastated the uh, U.S. territorial island of 3.4 million U.S. citizens. But they had left up statistics that were favorable to uh, FEMA, to the recovery and to the work that uh, FEMA is doing now. Uh, thanks to criticism of that, apparently yes. those numbers have been restored as of airtime to the uh, to the FEMA website. Yes, it does look like they have been restored. 90% of Puerto Rico, more than 90% of Puerto Rico is still without power. Some 50% of the island is without potable running water. And estimates uh, are currently that it's going to take uh, months still before power is returned. A bipartisan group of five senators is now traveling to Puerto Rico finally over the weekend to look at the damage from Hurricane uh, Maria and to monitor the relief efforts that have killed 34 people that we know of so far. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand will be one of those lawmakers, uh, Democratic lawmakers, along with uh, Tim Kaine of Virginia, Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, and Republicans Ron Johnson and Corey, uh, of Wisconsin and Cory Gardner of Colorado will also be going. This is after, uh, as I believe we noted last week, that the Department of Homeland Security had prevented these senators from traveling to the island in advance of Trump's short and embarrassing and insulting visit there last Tuesday. They wouldn't let these senators go until Trump got there first to, I guess, set the scene uh, for the were. way. Yeah. For the way that he wanted it to be uh, uh, portrayed. Uh, the government is currently spending about $200 million a day for emergency hurricane response. Lawmakers in the coming weeks will are, are going to be considering $29 billion in disaster aid. 
uh, to pay for recovery efforts and uh, federal flood insurance claims, but that is just a fraction of about $300 billion in damage estimated to have been caused by Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria in the U.S. over just the past few weeks alone, and we haven't even gotten to Nate yet. So when does hurricane season end again? November. Uh, in similarly not at all unrelated news, billionaire Tesla founder Elon Musk, I just want to get in this uh, one more before we get to a break here, Des. Uh, Elon Musk says that he believes he can rebuild Puerto Rico's power grid with batteries and solar power. Uh, Musk tweeted on Thursday that the Tesla team has built solar grids for many smaller islands around the world. But there is no scalability limit to his technology, so it can be done for Puerto Rico, too. He, he tweeted such a decision would be in the hands of the Puerto Rican government, the um, uh, power utility companies, any commercial stakeholders, and most importantly, the people of Puerto Rico. Uh, he has done uh, similar uh, solar projects for, uh, 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 for islands in Hawaii and American Samoa. Uh, the Puerto Rico state-owned electric company says that some households will be without power for four to six months. Tesla, however, has sent hundreds of Powerwall batteries, these big uh, batteries that work with its solar system that can uh, store uh, power and work overnight uh, to provide more power immediately to Puerto Ricans. Uh, previously, Musk won a contract from South Australia to install a 100-megawatt uh, facility, which could power some 30,000 homes in South Australia. He promised them uh, also on Twitter, I believe this was the one, this was after they had faced a series of outages earlier this year. Yes, South Australia had a huge storm that knocked down all their transmission lines, so Elon Musk uh, put a bet on Twitter, I'll do it in 100 days or it's free. Or it's free. Now, they've already gotten halfway through. It should be ready in time. And uh, the other thing about the, the other grids that he has built for other islands, he yep. built one for Kauai. The point about these microgrids is that they're solar panels combined with storage. And it's not just being able to work at night. These batteries can work for three days and so without which, sunshine, which means, uh, well, in a storm like this, the power would still be able to run for those three days. Exactly. And you don't have the long transmission lines, which is the problem in Puerto Rico. They don't need to be repaired. They need to be rebuilt. The transmission lines were snapped like twigs. And and they're sort of centralized. So they uh, yes, cover a lot of houses. He's talking here what they call microgrid. So uh, even if one part of the grid is knocked out, the other one can still be up and exactly. operating. They're like little islands and uh, they're scalable. So you can continue to add them on. They're modular like Legos. Snap it on and go. Puerto Rico uh, Governor Ricardo Rosello responded. Rosello, thank you. Uh, responded early Friday saying, let's talk today. I will be in touch. He said, do you want to show the world, uh, directly to Elon Musk, let's talk. Do you want to show the world the power and scalability of your Tesla, techno Tesla technologies? Puerto Rico could be that flagship project. Musk tweeted back saying that he would be, quote, happy to talk. So these microgrids uh, would essentially replace uh, these great big, what does uh, Puerto Rico have now? These uh, coal-fired power plants? They have, they import oil, which is why their power prices are so high, and they import coal. And are the, uh, I know the lines are down, are the plants themselves the operational? The plants were not severely damaged, but the coal piles, the coal that was ready to be used is now is flooded and uh, has to dry out before they can use it. 
So there's another uh, uh, good reason to move away from coal. So maybe we have some good news here, given what we have to work with. Maybe some good news will come out of these uh, storms. Uh, It would be great, frankly, to see Puerto Rico as a proof of concept for clean, renewable energy that doesn't face the same uh, hazards of large centralized utilities and uh, dirty coal and dirty natural gas as well. Yeah, it would be fantastic. All right, uh, a quick break and we will come back. I know, running long. Uh, When we get back, uh, maybe some brighter news. The Second Amendment. Time to get rid of it? Uh, After Sunday's Las Vegas massacre, some progressives and, yes, conservatives are saying, yep, get rid of the Second Amendment. Really? Yep, that story is after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. You know, I try to, uh, in truth, I try to leave the debate over gun safety laws to others as far as what sort of uh, gun safety laws should be implemented and should not be implemented. Uh, My opinion on these issues does not really matter. What I think we should do or doesn't do doesn't really matter. My complaint, I mean, look, we get the government that we deserve, or at least that's the theory. Uh, If everyone is able to vote, who wants to vote, if those votes are counted and counted accurately in a way that we can know they're counted accurately. In theory, if that happens, we get the government that we that we deserve to some extent. Uh, But obviously, democracy is in trouble, is under siege. People are kept from voting. They don't know if the results are accurate. Uh, Money, huge billions of dollars just bastardizes the entire process. So we got a lot of work to do. But that's one of the reasons why I talk about democracy so much. My complaint when it comes to guns and gun safety and the, the, the Second Amendment is not so much about any particular policy. It is that we are not even allowed to have the conversation. We are not allowed to have uh, the debate in this country. 
And our elected representatives in uh, the Senate and in the House, especially in the Senate, they are not even allowed to debate these issues at all, much less vote on them, thanks to the filibuster. Uh, There's all kinds of reasons that we just don't have this debate in this country, and we need to, no matter which direction it goes. Listen, if if there was a legitimate debate in the U.S. Senate and the Senate decided that every man, woman, and child should, must uh, own uh, an automatic, a, a machine gun, if that's what our, our, our democratic, democratically elected representatives wanted, if that's reflected the will of the people, then okay, so be it. But our gun laws do not at all, not even close, reflect the will of the electorate. And that's where something has gone terribly wrong. Federal agencies are prevented from from tracking certain uh, data uh, related to guns and the gun death epidemic, the public health crisis that we have in this country. Why should uh, ever, why should any federal agency be kept from tracking that information? Members of the U.S. Senate, as I said, are prevented from debating the issue at all. So I'm a believer in democracy even when it comes to guns, but frankly, we don't have any, especially when it comes to guns. Here's one example of what suffices for our gun debate at this point in this country. This is a uh, a Tara Golshan at uh, Vox.com earlier this week after the uh, massacre in Las Vegas over the weekend. She spoke to about five different House uh, House members, uh, Republican Congress members, about, uh, you know, questions of gun safety after the deadliest shooting, mass shooting in modern U.S. history. Uh, One of those uh, Congress members, uh, Congressman Roger Williams, Republican from Texas, said, I'm sure there will be some debate on it and then we'll go down the road and something else will happen and it'll get in the background again. Uh, There have, of course, been more than 1,500 mass shootings in the U.S. since the shooting at Sandy Hook, Connecticut. 1,500 since Sandy Hook that left 20 school children dead. But there has been almost zero action on Capitol Hill about all of this. So um, Golshan sat down with the five different Republicans and this back and forth here between her and Roger, Congressman Roger Williams, I think, is is illustrative of where we are at this point in this country on this issue. Largely because real discussion and real debate is not allowed, both in uh, in Congress and really in the media. So um, this gives you an idea about how where we are. The, she asks, uh, the president uh, said today that there would be some talk on gun laws in the future. I was wondering how you see this conversation going on Capitol Hill. Williams said, it's a very emotional issue. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I don't believe in disarming the good guys. Golshin said, well, what do you say to Americans that are concerned the U.S. has the highest gun homicide rates among developed nations and there have been more than 1,000 mass shootings since Sandy Hook? What do you say? What do you say you guys are doing up here? Williams says, well, I don't know if those are the numbers. Now, of course, those are the numbers. He should know that. In any event, he says, but one is too much. We have two schools, and they are pretty plain, he said. One says, take guns away from people, and one says, no, you can't do that. Second Amendment, right to bear arms. 
She says, there's no middle ground? He says, no, I don't think so. Oh, my goodness. So you don't think there is something that can be done legislatively that could help prevent these? He says, well, I'd be willing to take a look, but for me, I'm not going to get away from the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. It's a divisive issue. It's an emotional issue. You can either take them away, one side says, and the other side says, no, you can't do that. It's in the Constitution, the right to bear arms, and it kind of stops right there. There's not a lot of debate to it, he says. Congressman, he's a U.S. congressman. That's it. Those are the two sides. You can either take away everyone's guns. All of them. All of them. Or you can believe in the Second Amendment. Uh, and which means there can be no limits whatsoever of any type on any guns, on any background checks, on uh, preventing semi-automatic uh, military-style assault rifles from becoming fully automatic assault rifles that can spray a crowd in Las Vegas with anywhere from 300 to 600 bullets per minute. Those are the two choices. It's one or the other. Golshin pointed out to the congressman, the House did pass the gun silencer provision out of committee last month, and it was supposed to maybe come up to the floor this week. Do these kinds of tragedies make it harder to push forward these kinds of gun policies? Yes, the Republicans were actually going to make it easier to buy silencers, which you can buy right now, but you have to go through a background check. They want to take away the background check for silencers. Williams said, I think the gun silencer to me is a health issue. They were pushing this thing as the uh, fire, I think it was called the Firearms uh, Hearing Act. Right. They want to protect the hearing of children who are learning how to hunt. So that's a health issue. Because they can't go and bother to buy some earplugs. Uh, right. Apparently. Or no, or they can't just buy the silencer, but do the background check. Nobody's preventing them from buying those. Uh, just have to go through the background check. Anyway, um, so, you know, we don't have a conversation in this country with about these things uh, that hasn't, you know, become the otherwise the you know, the Fox News Breitbartized. Either take away all the guns or let everybody do whatever they want. Those complete, are the two choices. That's a complete misrepresentation as well of the people who actually want to have some gun safety measures, common sense gun safety measures. No one is saying, right. take away your guns. Well, some people are. Some people might be. And that is fine if they want to say, take away your guns. That's fine. But the majority are not saying that. But the majority that. are not saying that. They're saying put in, uh, you know, reasonable measures. That said, since this conversation has had so little in this country, I want to bring up uh, two different uh, thoughts on the Second Amendment. Thoughts that are, and I'm not saying that I agree with these. It doesn't matter whether I agree with these or not. I'm bringing them up by way of trying to help to help this conversation uh, move forward in this country, this debate that we do not have or this debate that has turned into a false debate, like one side wants to take your guns, the other one wants to keep. So Michael Moore, the uh, uh, the law, the uh, filmmaker, liberal activist, he is calling for a new constitutional amendment uh, after this Las Vegas massacre. He is proposing repealing the Second Amendment, essentially, with a 20, by uh, passing a 28th Amendment. He says the Second Amendment is ancient and outdated. He said a 28th Amendment would demand that the primary, quote, the primary right of all people to be free 
from gun violence shall not be infringed. More recommended uh, as part of this proposal that men must get spousal approval for firearm purchases, a requirement that he, ha he says has greatly reduced domestic violence in Canada. He says that as over 90% of gun violence is committed by men, in order for a man to purchase a gun, he must first get a waiver from his current wife plus his most recent ex-wife or any woman with whom he is currently in a relationship. If he's gay, he must get the waiver from his male spouse or partner. Moore's proposal would maintain states' rights uh, to have an armed National Guard which is, if you actually bother to read the entire Second Amendment, what the Second Amendment is about, the state's rights to have a militia. So he says the states can still have an armed National Guard, and he would allow guns to be used for sport and hunting while instituting new protections for the public. The public safety comes ahead of an individual's right to own and fire a gun, says Michael Moore. Uh, the public safety comes ahead of the individual right to own and fire a gun. I suspect there are about 600 uh, people in Las Vegas, at least, who, who, who may feel that way after what happened, thanks to one guy's individual right to own about 40 of these military-style assault weapons in, uh, in Las Vegas last Sunday. Moore listed eight proposed restrictions on gun ownership, including banning all automatic and semi-automatic guns, mandating licenses for gun ownership, limiting guns and clips to hold no more than six bullets, and requiring triggers to recognize the fingerprint of the gun owner, so-called smart guns. He says this is the same approach that meets everyone's needs, Everyone, that is, except those of the serial killer, the mass murderer, the violent ex-husband, the disgruntled employee, or the disturbed and bullied teenagers. And by the way, those people would still be able to have at least six bullets that they could shoot in, uh, in mass murders, mass shootings. He writes, uh, we will never eliminate all murder. That's been with us since Cain killed Abel. But we can join the community of enlightened nations where gun violence is that rare occurrence as opposed to the daily tragedy we now suffer here in the United States of America. So he is essentially calling for repealing the, the Second Amendment, which our Constitution allows us to do. He is not the only one, however. Conservative New York Times columnist Brett Stevens. Remember him, Desi? Oh, yes. Uh, he has called for a repeal of the Second Amendment as well. Brett Stevens is a climate change skeptic who uh, uh, many on the left were critical when the New York Times hired him. Still are. He said in a Thursday op-ed... Uh, arguing that uh, while gun ownership should not be outlawed, it does not need a blanket constitutional protection either. He says, I have never understood the conservative fetish for the Second Amendment. Really? You don't? Uh, and, and he, by the way, he won a Pulitzer Prize for commentary in 2013. You don't understand that fetish? That fetish, sir, is based on the fact that the NRA spends tens of millions of dollars in election after election to support Republicans. That is the so-called conservative fetish for the Second Amendment. They don't really care about it. They care about the money, period. 
The former Wall Street Journal columnist goes on to cite a uh, to cite various studies showing that more guns means more murder and less safety before pushing back on the, quote, quaint argument that a, quote, well-regulated militia is necessary to the security of a free state. On that, he is right. You think your 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 weapons are going to protect you from a takeover by the U.S. government or any government for that matter? They'll come in real handy after Trump pushes North Korea to send a missile here to the West Coast, a nuclear missile. And they'll be uh, those guns will be equally as useful up against the U.S. Army that uh, you, you think you're going to defend against. Good luck with that, heroes. Uh, he writes, uh, the Minutemen will, uh, that will deter Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un are based in missile silos in North Dakota, not farmhouses in Massachusetts. He says gun ownership should never be outlawed, but it doesn't need a blanket constitutional protection either. He uh, concludes by guessing what founder uh, James Madison uh, might respond to the increased gun violence in the U.S. He says, I wonder what Madison would have to say about that today when more than twice as many Americans perished last year at the hands of their fellows as died in battle during the entire Revolutionary War. He says, my guess would be that Madison would say, take the guns or at least the presumptive right to own them away. The true foundation of American exceptionalism should be our capacity for moral and constitutional renewal, not our instinct for self-destruction. So there you go. You got uh, a progressive uh, activist, filmmaker Michael Moore. You got a conservative New York Times columnist, former Wall Street Journal columnist, both calling for repealing the Second Amendment in different ways in each case. And in both cases, don't take anything from what I'm telling you uh, as my opinions on this. Again, my opinions don't matter. What matters here is that we have this conversation, we have this discussion at all. We do not ever talk about the Second Amendment as far as repealing it, changing it. You know, we, we, we basically fight about what it does or doesn't say and the way the NRA has completely, uh, and, and the courts and the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court have completely misinterpreted what the Constitution actually says, what the founders were actually saying. In the Second Amendment, we debate that, but we don't talk about the idea of, hey, you know what? We can get rid of constitutional amendments if we want. We can change constitutional amendments if we want. Now you got Michael Moore on one side, Brett Stevens on another side, both calling for repealing the Second Amendment. Got thoughts on that? Uh, I'd love to hear them. Uh, keep them short and sweet and uh, send them to me via email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Maybe we'll share some on air in the coming days. Uh, because, yes, if we don't discuss things, they will never happen. We will then have no democracy, and the bad guys will keep winning. And the bad guys, by the way, they like it that way. So that's why we fight as hard as we do here uh, and at bradblog.com for democracy. Not for any one particular position or idea. Um, other than the idea of democracy and the right and the ability to have these conversations and debates in the first place, that debate concerning guns has for too long uh, been uh, either blocked entirely or relegated to a bunch of 
Fox News Breitbart nonsense like the kind that was uh, repeated by that Texas congressman. All right, quick break, and we're back with a few more minutes of the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. They've all come to look for America. I'm still looking. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, you know, Desi, every time, uh, it's a week after week, I, I keep saying, boy, what a week it's been. Yeah, it's like a volcano. It, it, it really never uh, stops, and it's gotten worse. It, it has. Uh, and so, uh, I, as usual, I'm on the lookout for something encouraging that we can take away after a week like the past one. We don't have a lot to work with, but here's something. Donald Trump is changing how the public thinks, usually by making stuff that he's against more popular. Matthew Iglesias over at Vox notes that uh, Trump is unprecedentedly unpopular for president this early in his term and, and began his presidency with having lost the popular vote by a wide margin. And in the bargain, the tide seems to be going out from his positions at an unusually rapid pace. And he cites a, a few different polls that have come out within just the past few days to underscore his point. A uh, Reuters poll released on October 3, quote, found that the percentage of adults who said they had a great deal or some confidence in the press rose to 48 percent in September compared to 39 percent last November. So in in the months since Donald Trump has been elected and has been uh, beating up on uh, the press constantly, calling them fake news, the failing media. Enemies of the people. Right. Uh, Since then, that has uh, caused the uh, esteem of the press to rise by some uh, almost uh, 10 points since just a few the past few months. That's the press. Um, On October 2, USA Today poll found that previously unpopular NFL player protests are now seen as perfectly appropriate by a 51 to 42 percent margin. So the majority of Americans uh, who used to think that was uh, inappropriate now believe it's appropriate, despite Donald Trump's uh, uh, endless tweets over the past several weeks on that. A Fox News poll in late September found that the number of people who favor deporting illegal immigrants working in the U.S. has been cut in half since Donald Trump showed up on the scene in the summer of 2015 uh, to announce his candidacy. Now a staggering 83 to 14 percent margin are in favor of a path to citizenship which is uh, kind of what the thing that uh, that Donald Trump built his entire campaign against in the summer of 2015. 
So um, that's become far more popular, according to Fox News. Gallup found on October 2 that support for more government action to solve national problems has risen to 45 percent, the highest that it has been in decades outside of a brief period after uh, right after 9-11. And finally, ABC News found on September 28th that more than half of Americans now see climate change as responsible for the severity of recent hurricanes. That is a huge about face from 12 years ago when most attributed it to, oh, happenstance. Iglesias notes that uh, you should always take these sorts of polls with uh, many grains of salt, that most people don't have strong views on many subjects, uh, but that polls that ask the same question, because often, by the way, people can pick and choose which polls they want to cite for these things because they're worded. Each one is worded differently. Well, these are the same polls finding the same information using the questions that are worded in the exact same way. And these opinion trends on identically phrased questions do tell a story, says Iglesias. And the story they are telling is that on issue after issue, the tides of opinion are shifting against Trump. It's true on slow-moving policy topics like climate change, hot-button controversies like the NFL protests, uh, and true on a lot of these big congressional controversies. The Affordable Care Act... For example, the Affordable Care Act's popularity soared to unprecedented heights when the public was focused on GOP repeal efforts. So I know we're, we're you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find good <laughs> news here. But to some extent, uh, things that matter, uh, pretty much everything that Donald Trump is uh, pushing for is becoming less and less popular the more that he does. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that when Trump focuses attention on it, oh, look, the media decides to focus attention on it. The corporate media decides to cover these things in depth that they have not covered before. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Uh, And uh, speaking of the GOP, very quickly before we get out, registered voters are increasingly turning away from the party and looking to Democrats to solve America's biggest problems, according to a new poll from Suffolk University USA Today. Uh, shows that 62% of respondents now have an unfavorable view of the Republican Party. That is a seven-point jump in unpopularity for the party since that same poll. In back in June, 62 percent view the party unfavorably at this point. Just 48 percent feel the same way about Democrats. The Republican Party is in free fall, said the Suffolk University poll director. In March, the GOP had a 48 percent unfavorable rating in March of this year. 48 percent in June. That negative swelled to 55 percent. Today, the GOP unfavorable is 62 percent. What's next, he asks. Don't answer that question. I'm not sure I want to know the answer. We got to get out. My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night or week or month with us. It is, as ever, greatly appreciated. You can download our shows anytime for free at bradblog.com. We greatly appreciate those of you who actively help support us to continue doing the broadcast every day, day in and day out, by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. 
And you can find, follow, and uh, share our work on the Twitters as well at the Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike, they've all come to look for a man.